Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. Shalom. I'm Brad Alexander, your host, a simple beggar who found bread. Sounding the alarm to let others know where I found it, the bread of life, Messiah Yeshua, Christ Jesus. This episode, Rooster. Props to Alice in Chains for the title of this episode. The song Rooster by the Seattle-based quartet is a tribute to guitarist and vocalist Jerry Cantrell's father and his service in the Vietnam War. It's probably the band's most popular song, and the video is quite sobering. It mixes photos and video footage from the Vietnam War along with some modern reenactments of the war as well. And this episode actually doesn't have anything to do with war. Well, maybe a little bit. No. No, I don't think so. Either way, we know this. It's not about the music. It's about the message. Rooster. So let's light this candle. The most notable reference to a rooster in the scriptures would have to be when the rooster crows immediately after Kepha ben Yohanan, Peter, son of Jonah, denies knowing Yeshua three times. Let's take a look at some scripture on this. Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to start at verse 30. After singing the Hallel, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Yeshua said to them, This night you will all fall away because of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to the Galilee. But Peter replied to him, Though all fall away because of you, I'll never fall away. Yeshua said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Even if I must die with you, Peter says to him, I'll never deny you. And so said all the disciples. In this passage, Yeshua begins prophesying of his death and that his followers were going to disperse. Peter says he's not letting that happen on his watch. Messiah then prophesies the circumstances of Peter's denial of him. So let's take a look not long later in Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 69. This is right after Yeshua has been arrested. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting in the courtyard. A servant girl came over to him and said, You also were with Yeshua of the Galilee. But he denied it before everyone, saying, I don't know what you're talking about. When he went onto the porch, another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there, This man was with Yeshua Hanatsarati. Again, he denied it with an oath. I don't know the man. A little while later, some of the bystanders approached Peter and said to him, Surely you're one of them too. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to curse and to swear an oath. I do not know the man. Right then, a rooster crowed. Then Peter reminded himself of the word Yeshua had said, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went away and wept bitterly. Something we see through what happens with Peter is a consistency with the number three. Now, I'm not a numerologist, okay? I do believe that there is emphasis and some significance put on 
certain numbers through scripture. I believe it shows the intentionality of Adonai Elohim. I do not think it is something that we're supposed to become superstitious about. Okay? Just want to make that clear. So we see the three denials of Peter here. And there's something about repetition in scripture. It reinforces or multiplies the emphasis being made. When Yeshua would say, Verily, verily, I say unto you. It was his way of stressing a deeper importance in what would follow. It's like saying, hey, give me your full attention here. Even in Isaiah 6 and also in Revelation, when we read about the seraphim crying out, holy, holy, holy. Many will simply attribute this to the triune nature of God. Father, Spirit, and Son. That's what's being referenced in holy, holy, holy. And that certainly can be applied in that way. I'm not denying that at all. But the intention of the repetition is to stress the holiness, the set-apart nature of the Lord our God. This is something that's consistent in the Hebrew and Aramaic languages, that repetition. So we see in Scripture that there are some things, for example, the implements that were in the tabernacle and then the temple, that can be holy. The items that were in there were called holy. They were set apart for service to the Lord. Some people are called that. Even dirt is called holy. Remember Moses being told, take off your sandals. The ground you're on is holy ground. It's set apart. Then we see a step further when we see in the tabernacle and the temple, there's an area that is called the holy of holies, emphasizing the set-apartness of this specific area in the temple and tabernacle. This was the area where only the high priest could go one time per year after certain cleansing rituals were done and after certain sacrifices were offered the high priest could go in there one time a year into the Holy of Holies. That area is holy, holy. The seraphim in Isaiah 6 and also in Revelation, they declare Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God, is holy, holy, holy. There is nothing here on earth that can compare to the holy, set-apart nature of the living God, Adonai Elohim. So, Peter's threefold denial of Yeshua reinforces, it expresses the extreme defiance and nature of his denial. Three times he denied Yeshua. So we see in Matthew 26 and verse 74, what we just read, then he, Peter, began to curse and to swear an oath. I do not know the man. Right then, a rooster crowed. Now, lots of folks will take this to mean Peter started swearing. He was using profanity as a way of proving that he wasn't a follower of Yeshua because a Christian wouldn't use that kind of salty language. That's inaccurate. 
What Peter does here is significantly worse than dropping an F-bomb or calling a donkey by an alternative name. In Mark's description of this account, found in Mark 14, he records Peter was cursing himself as he swore an oath. Read that in Mark 14. You can go there and check that out. Peter was cursing himself and swore an oath. In Jeremiah 17, verses 5 and 6, we read, Thus says Adonai, Cursed is the one who trusts in man and depends on flesh as his arm, and whose heart turns from Adonai. For he will be like a bush in the desert. He cannot see goodness when it comes, but will dwell in parched places in the wilderness, a salt land where no one lives. This is what Peter has done. He has cursed himself as he denies Adonai. His heart turns from trusting the Lord. He swore an oath that he did not know the Lord. Then, immediately after doing that, he hears that rooster crow. And he was reminded of Yeshua's words. And he went away and wept bitterly. He was devastated. He knew what he had done. I find it at least very interesting that prior to this threefold denial of Messiah, we see three significant public rebukes of Peter by Yeshua. Now, we could say of the account in Matthew 26, we just read that Yeshua's prophecy of Peter's denial and then his subsequent recollection of Yeshua's words as a rebuke after Peter denied him. That would be certainly private, and I'm, I'm certain that that was a significant rebuke. But there are three public rebukes of Peter prior to his denial of Messiah. In uh, Matthew 14, starting at verse 26, we read, But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out with fear. But immediately Yeshua spoke to them, saying, Take courage, I am. Don't be afraid. Answering, Peter said to him, Master, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water to go to Yeshua. But seeing the wind, he became terrified, and he began to sink. He cried out, saying, Master, save me. Immediately, Yeshua reached out his hand and grabbed him. And he said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, You really are Ben Elohim, the Son of God. 
Peter took his eyes off Yeshua, not trusting in the Lord, but thinking about his own ability as a man to walk on water, water, to walk on a stormy sea. He put his faith in his own ability. He took his eyes off the Lord and Yeshua rebukes him. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Next, in Matthew 16, starting at verse 21. From that time on, Yeshua began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the ruling priests, Kohenim, and Torah scholars, and be killed and be raised on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Never, Master, this must never happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of men. As I've said before, I do not believe Yeshua is calling Peter the devil here. Capital S, Satan. Okay, The word Satan, Hebrew word, which means adversary. Peter is being an adversary to the plan of God. He's acting adversarially against God's plan. His mind is on the things of men, namely the comfort of having Yeshua physically present. Of course, Yeshua said the Father was sending a comforter, the Holy Spirit, which would be poured out on all flesh, But that wouldn't happen until he, Yeshua, went back to the Father. But there's a second public rebuke of Peter. And in John 18, as the torch-lit, pitchfork-slobbering mob is capturing Yeshua, trying to, uh, bringing him to be tried and executed, Yeshua answers them as they're trying to capture him. I told you, I am If you're looking for me, let these men go their way. This was so the word would be fulfilled that he spoke. I did not lose one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the servant of the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, and cut off his right ear. Now the servant's name was Malchus. So Yeshua said to Peter, Put the sword into the sheath. The cup the Father has given me, shall I never drink it? This is the third public rebuke of Peter by Yeshua. And he still is not understanding the plan of the Almighty. Shortly after this is when Peter denies Yeshua the three times, cursing himself. After Yeshua's torture execution, and resurrection, we see something noteworthy. When the two Marys and Salome went on the first day of the week to anoint Yeshua's body for burial and the tomb was open, Yeshua's body was not there. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. He is risen. He is risen indeed. The angel in the tomb said In Mark 16 and verse verse 6, But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Yeshua of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. 
He is not here. See the place where they put him? But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going before you to the Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. There's a distinction made by this angel. Tell the disciples and Peter. Peter's denial and curse, the cursing himself, are recognized by this angel of God. Later, we witness the restoration of Peter. This is in John chapter 21. When they had finished breakfast, Yeshua said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. He said to him, take care of my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him for a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Yeshua said to him, feed my sheep. Amen, amen. I tell you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Now this he said to indicate by what kind of death Peter was going to glorify God. And after this, Yeshua said to him, follow me. Notice Yeshua refers to him by his given name, Simon or Shimon, which means to hear. He refers to him by the name Simon versus the name Messiah gave him, Kepha or Peter, which means stone or rock. So we see Yeshua asks Simon three times if he loves him. There were three rebukes, three denials, three declarations that Peter makes of his love for Messiah Yeshua. Now, some have interpreted Simon Peter being grieved the third time Yeshua asked him. Yeah, Yeshua asked him a third time if he loved him. And the people interpret that, that grieving as Peter's frustration. Like, I've already answered that question twice already. Why is he asking again? I don't think that that is accurate. What I see here is Peter grieving over his sin. Grieving is a part of sin. Blessed are those who mourn. I believe he is grieving over his sin, and he knows he denied Yeshua three times. And this question the third time just rings it back, even, even like the rooster crowing, the reality of his denial as Yeshua asks him that third time. Yeshua tells him, Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, and feed my sheep. Yeshua is the good shepherd, as we read in John 10. He tells Simon to feed and protect his lambs and sheep. 
as a sign of Peter's restoration, Yeshua tells him again, follow me. And I, I think the significance of that statement is lost on many because we think of when they first met and those were Yeshua's words to him, follow me. Peter denied him. He cursed himself. And here, Yeshua, after asking those questions, here is the restoration. And he once again, he tells Simon Peter, follow me. And I believe Messiah's direction to Simon Peter about feeding my lambs, taking care of my sheep, feeding my sheep. I believe this speaks to discipleship, which is what Yeshua commanded us, his followers, to do. In Matthew 28, make disciples. And I believe this is one of the great failings of the modern church. We, in general, do not make disciples. Feeding his lambs and sheep is not just a once a week sermon. Feeding and caring for his sheep is daily activity, daily involvement in their lives. And also I think, I think we need to look at the three rebukes of Peter. Each one was a result of Peter's lack of understanding of God's plan and his lack of trust. His ways, God's ways are not our ways. His ways are higher. Peter was comfortable with Yeshua by his side physically. Who wouldn't be? But God's plan was bigger and it involved discomfort. It involved pain. It involved heartbreak and suffering. But there's glory on the other side. And today, so many of us who call ourselves Christians or followers of Messiah, we're focused on our level of comfort here on earth. And we somehow think that, it's, that God's plan for us is to have physical and emotional comfort and protection from any form of discomfort, pain, or suffering. Anything that damages our calm or harshes our mellow, well, that's got to be of the enemy. We need to dig into God's word and understand his plan and not confuse his plan with our plan, what we would like his plan to be. We trust in and defend politicians more than we trust and defend the faith in Adonai Elohim. We trust in our riches, our possessions, and our friendships. In the same way Peter needed to understand the necessity of Messiah's death, we must understand the necessity of completely dying to ourselves. Any comfort that we find here on earth in worldly things is a luxury. It's not a necessity and it is not a promise of God. These luxuries that we pat ourselves with are, are most often distractions from God's plan rather than evidences of his blessings in our lives. Okay, this episode really did take a different direction than I initially intended it to. When it comes to Peter's denial of Yeshua, 
I often think of the quote by Brennan Manning, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And I think of myself in this. How many times have I denied Yeshua by my lifestyle? How frequently have I ignored the prompting of the Holy Spirit for my own comfort? How often do I justify entertaining myself instead of spending time with my father or feeding or caring for the lambs and sheep of the good shepherd? How regularly do my words and attitude grieve the Holy Spirit? Where is the evidence in my life that I am His? Father, have mercy. God, have mercy. I am grateful for the Holy Spirit of God, that still small voice that continues to convict my heart. And I'm grateful that I still hear that still small voice. I never want to get to a place where through so many denials, through so many times of ignoring that still small voice to get to a point where I've hardened my heart that I just will no longer hear it, that my ears are closed and hardened and my eyes are closed to the things of God. Father, help me in that, to be sensitive to your spirit to be led by you in what I do and in what I say in all things, that I would reflect your love, your mercy and your grace to the people around me, that I would live the life to which you have called me. And Father, my prayer is not just for myself being selfish here, but for, for all your children, all those who declare ourselves to be called by your name, that we would live the life you have called us to. Father, that we would reflect your love and that we would acknowledge and show our love for you in obeying you, obeying your word, loving you and loving our neighbors and following what you have called us to do, living how you have called us to in your word, through your Torah and through all of Scripture. Help us to do that, Father. Thank you for giving me your time. This turned out to be a little more like a sermon than, again, what I initially intended. But, uh, well, I pray that God's will is done with this episode and that it has been a blessing to you and something you can dig into. God is good. Time is short, my friends. We must redeem the time. The days are evil. We need to draw near to him and praise God that he tells us when we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So please do that. Get into the word. Study to show yourself approved of God. And even now I pray, 
if necessary, that you're hearing that the Holy Spirit ringing in your heart is like that rooster crowing because God has given us a gift of repentance. Hallelujah. Repentance is absolutely a gift and we need to call on it and we need to fall on that gift. He has paid the price for us. He has offered the sacrifice, Messiah Yeshua, the sin sacrifice. Thank you so much, Father, for that. God is good. Thank him for his grace. Yeshua is the embodiment of his grace. Take time, dig into the word. I'm going to let you go now, but I appreciate you. I appreciate you checking this episode out. Share it if you like. Dig into God's word. Study your Bible. Study to show yourself approved of God. Get close to him. Get right with him. Repent. Return to him. Seek to follow him, forsaking all others. Then let's go out and give him heaven.